We gonna drop this next bomb for a money-making player that ain't with us no more. Yeah, Notorious B.I.G. Hell no. We gonna do this for a gang-banging thug that never seen it coming. Yeah, Tupac Shakur. Nah, bitch. I'm talking about motherfucking TC and Jake. And shit. So, um, as I was just telling you, uh, I don't know how much backstory I actually need on this. I probably could have just been coming with the... Hey, what about that MILF song? But uh, me and me and some of the boys are going to Chicago, like I was telling you, and I was I was throwing out karaoke ideas. My idea was Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Is uh, that the one where uh, where there's like a? It was. I think this was a lot more popular in the '90s and the early 2000s. Where, well, it probably coincides with the popularity of music videos. Period. Mm-hmm. Was that Although, the? Although to some, I would say that they've never been better. Probably not, no, but this concept... YouTube's great. I think uh, is a Goo Goo Dolls song where there's a movie, yes. and I think there's a woman who's in love with a guy who's dead. I've never seen a movie <laughs> think... in my entire life, but I... I know it's called City of Angels. Okay. Okay, that's the song? Well, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that used to be a lot more Don't popular. Don't want the world to see me. Yeah. yeah, and he's the lead singer is like sitting up in like a tower in San right. Francisco. And he'll like look into a spyglass, and then it'll be like a scene from the movie. It, there's a lot of continuity errors. <laughs> yeah. I, I first considered this like it was a Chuck Klosterman. Thing I mean, obviously about, the the peak is uh, don't want to miss a thing. Right, that's definitely the peak. The Klosterman was it like he he was wondering like who the president was in Britney Spears music videos <laughs> or something? <laughs> like is is it the complete normal yeah. context of? I tell you the other one that might be the peak though. Uh, was when, and I obviously Wu Tang had a lot to do with this, but so did like uh, DMX, was the very, very odd but burned bright intersection of martial arts and hip hop. Yes, yes. Where yes. like Timberland, most of his videos featured Jet Li <laughs> because, <laughs> because they would use scenes from a Jet Li movie. Yeah, I but, just love that Jet Li. But Aaliyah would be in the video, but not in the. In the movie, it was really, really, it was great. Yeah, I love the crossover. So Iris is number one. So I thought Iris was a, was a good idea. You know, is a is a karaoke song. And then uh, George said that he's uh, he's Garth Brooks only. I can see that. And then Josh introduced uh, a thread. The the I I think the whole text group became fixated on it, but I don't want to speak for them. I can certainly say that I became fixated on it. Uh, because I had forgotten about the Garth Brooks song that summer. Uh, what, he fucks a mom? He absolutely fucks a mom. Damn. That's the whole song. It's like, and What's the second the verse is like, uh, um, she had the need to feel the thunder. She had the need to feel the, the thunder. thunder. Bow, bow, and my dick between her thighs. Absolutely. Bow, bow. Yes. Okay, um, I guess I never really paid that close attention to that. Storm raging in her lover's eyes. Okay. She had the need to feel the passion. Yeah, okay. Damn, I didn't know that was a MILF song. Yeah, no, the the first the the first (laughs) verse is setting up uh you know, just like who are our characters? Where are they? Uh the answer is a wheat field, a thousand from nowhere. Okay, now your text makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Um 
and uh, a th- he's a thousand. Did you say a thousand miles from nowhere? A thousand from, miles from nowhere. Okay, yeah, that's the lyric. I thought just now you said a thousand miles from Delaware, and I was no, gonna say no. that's like a really odd way to describe <laughs> yeah. any number of locations. I mean, I, I where guess, are you? I, yeah, it doesn't really narrow it I'm down. 997 miles from Delaware. <laughs> <figured out. laughs> oh, shit. Okay, dude, I, I think I can pick you up yet. You're gonna need to tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have GPS. It was a different time. Um, so second verse, he hits it. Well, the first verse, he, he's, he's setting up, and so the, uh, he's like a, a farmhand or whatever, you know. Classic. True. Um, a young young person. I went to work for her that summer. Teenage kid so far from home. So it's establishing he's a, a teen of some kind. I guess that makes the chance they're 19 fairly slim, but I'm just going to hope. Pretty just gonna slim. hope that we hit in that that good part of the, the distribution. Uh, Eleven would be concerning. <laughs> well, it's also not a team. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Thirteen would also be concerning. Fair. Though. I made a bad point there. <laughs> uh, she was a lonely widow woman. Uh, of course, hell bent to make it on. We were a thousand miles to nowhere. We'd feel as far as I could see, both needing something from each other, not knowing yet what that might be. So. I don't know the rest of the story of this song, but I'm betting she inherited this farm when her husband died. I mean, I, I, it doesn't clarify that, but it that, does appear to be the case. That's the universe that I am painting here. Yeah, I mean, it says that she's a widow, hell-bent to make it on her own. Why would you be, like, she's obviously advanced somewhat in age. not like 60 or something, right. but she's not a fellow teen. But she also has a farm. And so, like, how would you still be hell-bent unless your husband had recently died and you were like, you know what, I can do it without him. That's yeah. what she's hell-bent on. But I'm going to um, need this one thing. So, yeah, he's establishing, you know, we're both out there. Right. Horny as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the part that I'd like to really fixate on. Okay. That summer wind was all around me. Nothing between us but the night. Yeah. When I told her that I'd never, she softly whispered, that's all right. Okay, yeah. So he's not 18 or 19. I mean, there aren't that many kids. I mean, you could make it to... I, I tend to believe that Garth Brooks lost his virginity at, like, 19. He seems like an innocent man. He says it up on stage. You know, go, oh, shucks, I'm just an innocent man. Yeah, he seems like a dweeb, too. But you got to figure if you're the type of guy... No, there are a lot of incongruent incongruences here to me because I really don't think that if you're advanced enough to go work on a farm for a whole summer away from your family, that would indicate to me a sign of serious maturity. Yeah. And probably a lot of puss <laughs> leading up to that well, point. No, they were pretty explicit here. The, the no puss. I know. That's what yeah. it doesn't make that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. He must have been a one of one, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um yeah, and then then third verse is just uh talking about how sometimes I will just think about that day. Pop into the truck stop bathroom, rub one out. With nothing in between us but the night. Yeah, and uh, I think he indicates there that uh, he believes she's dead. Oh, I'd, okay. Which she not. felt unnecessary. But. Have you ever considered that that's a natural consequence of your yearning after MILFs? There's going to be a time when you're alive and they're not. Yeah, but then there's a new, there's a new crop. <laughs> there's moms all the time, every day, more moms. Yeah, I wonder about that too, like when I'm, you know, 50... I think it's a static thing for me. Like I, I really don't think it's just oh I'm it needs like to when be you're seventy, uh, a forty year old is going to look the same as it yeah. did when I was eighteen. Great. Yeah. If anything, I would say more. Like the older I get, the more it's like 
40 year olds are awesome yeah you know and the more i'm like yes i guess i would pat i would fail a lie detector if i tried to say that that 18 year old wasn't attractive but mainly i feel icky so i'd like icky to hide those i'd feelings. like to try that uh that that, that lie detector test <laughs> yeah i'd like to know. at least try it i guess i'm just making the point trying to reassure everybody that when i'm 60 i won't be searching for porno featuring 93 year old women. <laughs> that would rule <laughs> that's not something i can see myself doing so we did four episodes in june you were gone for a week i was in a weekend for a week, in a weekend i had campound uh-huh then i was gone for a week we both went to the beach because it's summer we did we summered at the beach uh, so only four in June, but I think we'll be pretty much back to regular now. In fact, to get this back on track, we are recording uh, at the Oral Sex Den at the lake on a Saturday. If to there try were to get no walls, back on the I'd be able to see where those ladies. You definitely would. And that man. And when I was gone for a week, uh, I turned around and Bill Cosby's free. <laughs> The, like, the top commentary on this was Adam Friedland's tweet, which simply read, they dead-ass freed Bill Cosby. <laughs> I mean, like, I was trying to think about this on the way home, of, like, the the number of stories that if, if I had missed for a couple days and then found out about, you know, on Friday when it happened on Tuesday or Wednesday, like, ranking how, like, what the hell I would have been and... It was tough. Like, what I, if you saw him like at a gas station on like, your way back? What and you're like, here? Holy fuck, he's out! And I call the authorities, and I'm like, we have a fugitive. No, 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 and no, no. Like, uh, uh-uh. pull up Twitter. Supreme Court. <laughs> he's out. He he had right to Gulf Boulevard. Like in my head, I was trying to come up with stuff, and the only events that he I wanted could, to play the big chess game down in Galveston. I've never done that. You got, have you seen it? I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, you know, they got a big, they got a park down there. It's got a big Harry Potter style <laughs> chess game. What a waste of, of real estate. <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything that would have been more, huh, to me than like geopolitical events. Yeah. Like there was very few, like if you would have said, you know, it, literally anything involving pop culture figures, I couldn't think of anything that would have been more shocking to me than a dude who has. 60 accusers of rape then they're just like look you guys know how the legal system works it's a technical thing and then i heard corby whenever i was pulling into town on friday on e news say that he has an agent that says he's going on tour which gotta go to that <laughs> i wonder if stormy daniels would go with us boy she might how much would we need to pay stormy daniels to attend the bill cosby tour with us less than you think yeah but it would probably be like that's one of those deals where you have to donate the equivalent uh, value of the ticket to like a survivor fund or something for the sure. clear. Yeah. Everybody does I guess. that little swerve. And then what happened with Dan Snyder? I don't think we have that kind of audience. Uh, it's not about the audience we have. It's about the audience we don't. It's like <laughs> this is a podcast that specializes in A, paying DJ TJs for cameo and going to see Bill Cosby. So what happened with uh, what happened with Dan Snyder? I literally don't even know yet. Uh, I don't either. I thought I would want to know before I had to, you know, get on the radio. He he named his wife like co CEO. I saw that. Uh, and so I, I don't know anything beyond that, but whenever someone like, especially someone like him, that's like, you know, known shitbag, uh, names a female co CEO, I just assume that, you know, I thought he got fined like $10 million. This is a a pre synth marshal as opposed to a post synth marshal. 
Okay. I don't know. Yeah. You might know. I, I don't okay, keep that's up what with it was. Redskins The news. NFL uh, fined them $10 million once they completed their review of everything that had already been public. Or okay. not, maybe not all of it public, but that being the impetus. So of, this is the time when he's doing his... All right, so I might have had a secret DVD yeah. set to pour some sugar on me <laughs> for some women who didn't know that they're they were about to have their naked titties shown to a sixty-year-old man. So to, you know that's what he would do at karaoke too. That's so unoriginal. Yes, he's yes. not digging for goo goo doll. I doubt that he picked it. Movie songs. I like. I see. I the, the part of this I really like thinking about because it 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 is like somewhat alluded to in the thing is I don't know that he like. I believe he indicated that he wanted the video, but I doubt he like laid out a soundtrack or he, who even knows if he came up with it. It seems like the kind of thing where a guy who like his whole thing in life is to be a lackey of Dan Snyder, that he would go to Dan and be like, hey, I got a little something special for you, boss. Which poses the question, would you rather be a guy who personally selects pour some sugar on me or be a guy who is perceived by a lackey to think, boy, this guy's a pour some sugar on me guy? Great question. No good. No good answers. The other thing that I heard happened. Are you good over there? Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I heard happened, um, you know, because we're you know everybody wants to talk about critical race theory, TC, CRT. Mm-hmm. But at I, least ever in the Grapevine parking lots you go to. That's right. Uh, too many three letter word, three letter abbreviations these days. I think. Yeah. I would. That's why DJ TJ so harmonic but like come on yeah. we got aoc and cte and mm-hmm. mfm yeah and all that stuff it's just too much <laughs> mfm <laughs> uh and you know look begrudgingly that's why you should go for the the four letter cfnm <laughs> that's right cfnm or cmnf the classic age-old mm-hmm. question that explains our political divide. Mm-hmm. And begrudgingly, you know, I think we both said, okay, we will allow we will allow schools to possibly pose the idea that American institutions for hundreds of years uh, all the way up to now have played a part both implicitly and explicitly in uh, creating the divide and outcomes for people of different races. I will allow See, that. I don't even think that that, like... I'm getting sidetracked here. That's clearly what the debate that is actually being had is over. But I I don't think that that's like what critical race theory means. Well, like I think it's a pretty specific like fucking philosophy major pedantic bullshit. Not I don't mean to call it bullshit. Uh, I, I think, you know. Uh, in another life, I easily could have been a philosophy major. I think all this, I think all of it's interesting. Is but, that uh, higher or lower than TD Ameritrade or whatever you're... I think it's more likely that I'd be a philosophy major than a VP of Merrill Lynch. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, one of them I have full control over, more or less. There's so many like, companies... Like, I made it into college. That's then they true. let me do whatever major I wanted. Yeah. Whereas, I mean... It's just the classic who you know thing with Merrill Lynch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many companies that I only barely know what they are because of football. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, TD Ameritrade. I don't AIG. Know. <laughs> Not a clue. I'll never know. <laughs> Not, Not <a> once. <laughs> but... Whatever the original thrust of it is, there's actually the Daily did this last week, and I thought it was really good because they're really good about making complicated things simple. 
And it was largely a law, a law student who became a professor who was just like, hey, post-civil rights, a lot of us thought this stuff is going to be different, and it's not. So we're just trying to say the framework through which you view different outcomes for people. We're trying to say acknowledge that the American, you know, the institutions, the justice system, the legal system, whatever, has had some role in that. Now, I think that is what it is. I think the way it's being debated is to say that if you accept the concept of critical race theory, then you have to feel as a white person, as a racist, guilty, and being willing to give up any spot you have in life anytime it's asked of you for someone of color. And I mean, who are these people that don't feel guilty? I don't I don't feel like that's a race based thing for me. It just feels like a general way that anxiety manifests itself in my brain, right? Yeah, and I don't even know if I would I feel the same thing, but I don't even know if I would call it guilty as much as just saying, "Boy, this all happened. We should try to f- maybe find a way to fix it." But Yeah, whatever. like I've said I don't even mean guilt. Like it's not like I walk around feeling guilty that uh, you know, people who physically resembled me are the ones that were doing the enslaving. Um, I just mean like, 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 cause it, it seems to be saying like, well, you can't make me feel guilty. Like the, the, it's a threat. The, the goal that the, uh, the angry whites that are against CRT are trying to achieve is this guilt-free living. And I'm saying if I didn't feel guilty about that, I'm sure I'd feel guilty about something else. What does it matter what I'm feeling guilty about? Can't we just talk about something else? Yeah, I, as you know, I agree. This is actually one that I'd prefer because it's uh, it might actually have some upside to it. But what I'm here to tell you is I'm fine with all that. They're not coming for the fucking Alamo. <laughs> uh, I, read, do- I read a little <laughs> summary of the Alamo thing We're not doing before the Alamo. Dan Patrick, and I I think I'm just in, I, I think I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I, I I guess I saw Dan Patrick's tweet, but I first learned about this because uh, wife bought the most recent Texas Monthly. Uh huh on uh, our trip and the cover story is uh, an adaptation of a book that's coming out yeah so i think they just and i remember this is a very cool uh, fun moment where you know something already but when someone close to you learns it and they tell you it you're just as excited as the first time you learned it mm-hmm. and she's like do you know about like this stuff with the alamo and i'm like go on at this point that's not the thing i knew mm-hmm. she's like well it's like they're trying to revamp it and get a bunch of stuff back to it and everything and she's like did you know phil collins has like all the shit from the alamo and dude i lit up i'm just like i remember the first time i learned (laughs) that and i I feel what you're feeling right now yeah viscerally yes (laughs) i'll always remember the first time i heard how much (laughs) phil collins loves the alamo it's like you're right she was like isn't he english i'm like it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense (laughs) But it was you exciting know, to learn. Just heard about those boys sticking up for themselves. And <laughs> right. Now I wonder how I do wonder how Phil feels about this. I mean, the thing that I I you know, I just read some article summing up the book or whatever, just reporting the book was coming out. I think there's a New York Times article that reviews that and another book. Yep. Similar that I think uh, a P1 sent us. That's exactly what I read. And I probably read it because he sent it to us. You're right. That that all sounds correct. Uh, in, you know, the, the Alamo stuff, uh, is fine, but like the, the overarching point of just the way that they framed like the Texas struggle for independence, it was like, boy, seems kind of fucked up. I think we should give us back to Mexico. 
Yeah. Of like they just briefly allowed settling from like uh, the neighboring uh, country. And then they like all came in and were like, no, it's ours now. Yeah, I don't. I, it's weird, man, because we talk so much about stuff that we didn't know uh, anything about when it comes to American history. There's got to be. I mean, as much Texas history as you learned from the actual state that is approving those textbooks and curriculum, I would bet that my understanding of Texas history, despite the thing that I took the most courses on, is the most fucking absolutely cockeyed wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta be. And just like reading like one paragraph summing up the Mexican perspective on uh, the Texas independence struggle, I was kind of like... Yeah, I guess all that does make sense. Hadn't occurred to me before. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a new perspective I'm just now taking in, but I find it undeniable. Well, I'm going to choose know, not dude, to read whatever. it. Like, fucking <laughs> what, what claim did Mexico have to it? You know, like, yeah, you, how is anything anyone's, I guess? Um, that's true. So I'm not going to cry, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Open some ideas that uh, I had gotten things wrong. Well, I'm not going to ever know. See, that's right. Yeah. Because you're a true Texan. So I, I'm. I, you probably saw this tweet, but I wanted to give it to you in long form. Um, on Thursday. Yeah, on Thursday, we went to the uh, just wife, daughter, and I went to the aquarium in Galveston. Nice. I mean, it's not like a super special one, but it's something else to do down there that kids are really into. And we've been doing the beach thing for four straight days. So we went to the aquarium. And uh, went to lunch and on the way to the aquarium. So like, you know, there's I think it's just Gulf Boulevard that runs down the seawall. And when you get down into the. Whoa, can you say that? What? Seawall. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought there's a it's obviously it's definitely in a riffraff song. Seawall. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in Galveston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, by the way, I just had her turn the air on. So hopefully we won't die in here. Um. It gets pretty pretty busy down there. Having a uh, clean shaven and hairless face, I'm not too hot right now. Sucks so bad, dude. <laughs> you uh, you should have demanded that it be during the football season. It's so bad. Like the whole week was just awful. Because sand a, in it. A December beard seems like a, a fun little treat. I have a month left, and then we're done. Yeah, I'm five of six months done. Uh. <laughs> So yeah, down down where like we were, it's pretty pretty sleepy. It's mostly like beach houses. My parents rented one. It wasn't. There's not really many hotels down there. But as you get further north, back up towards like where you can get on 45, it's pretty hectic. A lot of hotels. There's a lot of people at the beach who drove there. You know, they didn't rent a place or whatever. They're parking on the side of what I would imagine is a six lane road, three on each side. Yeah, with, with probably Houston residents, right? Yeah, or even people that just went to the hotels because okay. you don't have beach access. They're on the other side. Oh, you just yeah, good point. go across the street and yeah. it's packed down there. So uh, this is like midday and uh, I was in the middle lane uh, of the, you know, the right-hand side, three lanes heading north. And I saw this dude like in my rearview mirror on a – I guess it's, you would still call it a go-ped. Mm -hmm. Like it was mm -hmm. a stand-up scooter, but – and he was like doing a pretty hardcore um, – basically side to side from edge of lane to edge of lane. Uh-huh. And then he would try to – you know, he would pass people and uh, 
he was a larger gentleman. Um, okay. Not just heavy, tall. That rules. He was a big guy. Uh-huh. And he had like a, a bright turquoise blue shirt on. He had really nice uh, Jordan 1s. Uh, I guess you would call it not so much turquoise, but like baby blue and black. They're nice. I love those. I love that colorway of those. And he was... He he honestly reminded me of the ocean spray guy in his joy. <laughs> like he <laughs> he was on top of the world. And uh as he started deciding, like, hey, I'm not gonna wait at this light because I don't have to, now he's not just going side to side in a lane. He like kind of dips in between two cars, me being one of them, passes both of us, goes back to the right, and he's passing. And as he's passing me and a couple of other cars, he looks back. He throws up the deuce and then he puts the middle finger down and just gives me a Dikembe finger wave as I have to stop at the intersection. And he's like, why the fuck would I stop? I'm on top of the world and keeps going. And he's looking back. Now, again, remember I said this entire right side of this uh, three lanes, there's also a parking lane before you can get onto uh, the sidewalk. And no sooner... Then when he like looks back at us, deuces, finger wag, then he looks back as he's like- That's a good move. I'd never seen it before. Like it was a uh-uh and uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, it's very Houston. Yeah. I mean, the deuces is, I, I think of it as a primarily Houston of course, yeah. uh, thing in the first place. Then, you know, Dikembe played sure. for the Rockets. So. I didn't even think about the Dikembe part, but yeah, it felt very like this dude's done this somewhere in Houston before. And uh, <laughs> he looks back and he's like headed over to the right. And he gets all the way to the edge of the parking side. And, and I'm stopped, so I have a full view of this. Somebody opens up their passenger <laughs> side car door, and he just fucking slams into it. Did he did they mean to, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think was he was just, just he was yeah. reckless, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a matter of like 30 seconds, he went from the center lane to the far parking right parking lane. He was just in and out of every lane, just carefree on top of the world. And they opened it, but I saw it before he did. And I'm like, no. it's only about a second. But I saw that door opening, and I'm like, he's going to hit that. And he did. And <laughs> I think if he was... Is he okay? I think if he was... Before I laugh anymore, I want to know yeah, that he didn't well, have like a broken bone. I think if he were smaller, he would have gone like a... He would have flown over this car door. Mm-hmm. But he's a big guy, so like he kind of just hit the car door and fell over to the side. Mm-hmm. And... And laid on the did the Peter Griffin. He definitely he, he was down for a second, and you know initially I was thinking the same thing. Like now I'm laughing, but then after a couple seconds, I'm still at the light. He got up and kind of like dusted himself off or whatever. And uh, I had another light to go to before I was turning to go eat lunch. So uh, as my light turned green. And we passed him <laughs> while he was still like collecting himself. I honked, gave him the deuce and the finger wag and kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and then he laughed and I was like, all right, that was just a couple of old chaps ribbing one another. So I uh, had a. Uh Received a text that I didn't understand, but I, I do now. Uh, my good friend Greg sent me this post on Reddit, and I I didn't even notice. Now now I see it's your account. Like the, it, they did the oh. thing where they uh, like cross out the person's name, the the handle, uh, 
but I, I, I figured I've put together that's your handle. But the, yeah, there's a big Reddit conversation going on where someone screen capped that and it's been really uh it, it's in r slash that happened yeah that's they're, interesting uh, they've taken up jake's story and they're now uh dissecting it themselves while not properly crediting me yeah i mean it's that seems like a weird time to take away the handle right um, like if you like if it's someone saying like you know something is going to get them harassed online then making sure they don't receive that harassment's good but i don't think that that's your concern here and somebody uh, you know in those comments down there somebody needs to break them <laughs> off real bad because obviously these people have never heard a little kiki song uh or a paul wall i mean it's that's a use you, you said it the, there's the an first, actual little kiki song called chunk up the deuce the first chunk. comment is chunked the deuce the fuck does that mean and then, and then a guy whose handle is mr pooper on brand as ever said he threw a turd <laughs> So I got to just go around and like work in poop stuff. I respect that. But then someone else is like, I think you meant to say Chuck. No, I did not. Yeah, no. Chunk the deuce, dude. They should have gone to a rehab outside of Houston for four years. They would have gotten it. Uh, I have a couple more things for you. How long have we been going? Um, you know, like half an hour. I have this. But I, got, uh, I, got a, I got a lot. I mean, I have more on Cosby. Uh, I read the whole Britney thing. I guess we'll be podcasting on Tuesday, but I'm I'm pent up. Yeah, me too. But I feel like I don't want to talk about all this vacation stuff after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the vacation. It's stuff not all done, that much sure. vacation stuff. I just, I'm just saying, don't limit me to exactly an hour. I like telling you about my really boring dreams. <laughs> okay, maybe skip that one. Because I, uh, I think I have the least exciting dreams ever. But now that I'm taking like a medication that helps you sleep, so I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, I told you the one and then that I woke up that like I. The, the the medication definitely helps me sleep, but it feels like I'm awake. Like I wake up and I can see on my sleep thing that I was in deep sleep for most of the night, but it feels like I'm awake the entire time. And I told you like a month ago that I just had a dream that I worked like a full shift at like a Lowe's. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like there sure, was. Can a, I help you find something? It wasn't like there was something that exciting that happened at the hardware store that day. It was just like going on break. Same shit, different day. <laughs> like just helping, yeah, just help help people find stuff. And the other night I had a dream. Yeah, the brass fasteners. That's going to be aisle twelve. That was literally it. Maybe clean something up. Maybe go. I mean, that's all it was. And I had a dream the other night that I went out to my car. It was my car. Uh, although it was in front of my parents' house, which was like one of those weird dream things, but it was still, it was my car very clearly, <clears throat> mm -hmm. except, uh, in what I surmised was a prank. Someone had put like the steering column and everything on the passenger side. <laughs> Classic prank. And I was like, ah, shucks. They got me again. And I remember spending the next like three or four hours of that dream just, just being like, it? ah, damn it. Like, why would someone <laughs> do this to me? And it was nothing exciting happened. Like I didn't figure it out. There was no payoff. These it was boys just, like, just won't let. It. Well, yeah, dude. There's not like a director, a screenwriter of your dreams. No. Hey, Act Two needs to be a yeah, little but, tighter but here. But like, but like, usually you would like then drive off a cliff or I don't know. I something. think most dreams are just kind of like that. Something that has some like, oh, why is this happening? It was well, just like at like, the point that someone someone else is telling you about theirs. Then yeah, something has to have happened. But I think lots of people just have these normal ones and just don't mention it to anyone. 
but I think Certainly a lot of times not record it for posterity. There's like other weird stuff. Where you're like, and then my dead uncle was there, and for yeah. some reason he was married to, you know, my third grade teacher, and nothing like that ever happens in mine. It's just like really mundane, minor inconveniences <laughs> that I didn't have to just sort through. That's not a minor inconvenience, dude. Well, uh, it was just like ah, maybe I got people. Other people drive like this, and I've done parts one of the world. day of driving in uh britannia and that's the that aspect of it like the fact that the steering wheels on the other side is much much more difficult to overcome than just staying on the other side of the road yeah i would think so i would absolutely i mean i know now because the other side of the <laughs> i know now um the uh the side of the road thing like it's pretty elementary you yeah. just kind of do what you do now but the opposite yeah but the your sense of like where you are centered in the car and like your uh you know just kind of like subconscious subconscious driving processes uh just all like depend on memory. the idea that you don't have like that the the you know half the fucking car is on the other side yeah and that shit is just i don't know i can't describe it it's very difficult so that would be a hell of a prank i hope no one does that to me yeah i know it's a, <laughs> there's a real pain in the rump i just think when most people tell you about their dreams they're like you're not gonna believe this like that would be the best jackass ever. <laughs> it really would be. People are like, it, fucking I, Phil Margera has got his car on the other, <laughs> got his steering wheel on the other, but it's his exact car. I mean, how would you even do it? I don't, that part was very dream esque, but it's like people are usually like, I want a million dollars, but I have to, I have to live underwater and all this. Like, those are the dreams where I'm just like, that, I don't even need to hear about that. But I just, I have. Yeah, that some, one's some of them are too just, interesting. Like, it's too interesting, right? Ergo, boring. <clears throat> yeah. So what happened with Cosby? Like, the DA lied to him or something, and now he's out, and so I don't even understand it, and I don't even really want to, but... I, uh, I, I went ahead, I decided I'm going to be a serious big boy about this one, and I read the court opinion. Oh, okay. And, uh... It's a, it's a little bit, I mean, you know, it doesn't get to a state Supreme Court without being a tricky case, right? Like, there's reasonable disagreements on both sides. People I respect have made the other side's uh, argument. And I want to be clear, I wish that Bill Cosby were in jail and, I, you know, don't press me on this too much. I don't, I don't think that we should just, like, throw people in jail willy-nilly. But, like, uh, in this specific case, uh, you know, I don't really care about the specific means, right? Like, I think that Bill Cosby getting out is a, a bad thing, right? Yeah. Um, but what happened was in 2005, this woman brings the allegations that Cosby had assaulted her. Um, it had happened a year ago. He's Bill Cosby. She had no physical evidence. So the DA, uh, who is, it appears a bit of a shit bag. Like you remember whenever, uh, like, people left and right were like, fuck no, I won't defend Trump in his impeachment trials. Like, high-profile lawyers who, like, love big cases. This guy was stoked. We're like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, and this is one of the guys who was like, oh, I can do that. Um, so he uh, he's the DA in this county at the time. And um, he determines he's not going to be able to prosecute. Like, that, he just doesn't think he can win a conviction, and he thinks that strongly enough that he's not going – he just doesn't think the charges are the right avenue for them. So he goes to Cosby's lawyer 
and tells him what he's going to do. Like he has a conversation with Cosby's lawyer about it. And then he puts out a press release. And the press release says that he is not going to prosecute Cosby. And the point of this, and he didn't like tell her, tell the victim about it beforehand. Like she found out like a fucking, you know, like a alert on her phone or whatever. Okay. Um, but his idea here was that if Cosby was sued. Can I stop uh, you real quick? Yes. Hasn't there been some, and it might've stemmed from the Cosby thing, but hasn't there been some uh, momentum behind doing away with what you just described? Like, I feel like there's some sort of survivors. I mean, it's definitely how a lot of miscarriages of justice occur. But I think there's the, some sort of like survivors or victims uh, statutes that aim to say like you can't cut that deal without the other person either knowing or certainly consenting to it would not be, which is an ironic you know, yeah. word to use here. But I swear there was something. I think this is what happened with Epstein is how I learned about it. I mean, that would A ton make of his sense. victims yeah. learned oh, yeah. about it through the media, yeah. which is obviously... You hear about that in a lot of these cases, and yeah. in every one of them, it it's horrible. Like I, I, that's not how I would want a family member of mine to be treated. Um, okay, but yeah. So he he the the DA's thinking is that if he releases this press release saying that he is not going to prosecute Cosby, that if Cosby is sued in a civil case, um, it's a redundant sentence, then uh, he would not be able to plead the fifth. He doesn't have to worry about incriminating himself if the incident has already been declared by the DA as something that is not going to be criminally pursued. Okay. And then Cosby gets sued and doesn't claim the fifth. He doesn't like, you know, and if in other circumstances, you would think that he would like he has you know, the American system allows him this protection, except in the case that he can't be criminally held liable for this. And so he answers the questions, uh, you know, without pleading the fifth and just gives straight answers. And it's not like he says in those in the depositions, like, hell, yeah, I raped her. You know, it's just a lot of stuff. Around, like, it's the sort of thing whenever you see a sworn statement from Bill Cosby and like compare it to her statement that you're like, OK, clearly someone's lying and it sure looks like it's him. Um, so this all happens. Then whenever Cosby's getting heat. Let's all not forget, because Hannibal Burris did a bit about it. <laughs> yep. Um, the uh, people go back to the judge in the civil trial and ask, can you unseal those documents, those depositions? And then on the basis of those depositions where he did not plead the fifth, the new DA who has replaced the old guy comes in and says, hey, uh, that all seems like enough to prosecute criminally. Like, we would like to do a criminal prosecution. They do. He's found guilty. He's sent to jail. And what the state Supreme Court is saying is that they had entered into an agreement that they would not prosecute him uh, that can't be undone by this later DA because he only said those things in the deposition because he thought he was under this agreement. Now, the other argument is, is that it's kind of how do you define agreement? Like, this is one conversation between the DA and Cosby's lawyers, where he doesn't say anything like, I swear that Bill Cosby will never be prosecu prosecuted for anything. You know, it's not like, like it's, it's just this press release, you know? Um, if they wanted to make it an explicit agreement, they're both lawyers, they should have written something and signed it. This kind of like fucking willy nilly, uh, you know, like I'll just do this and then we'll call it, call it good, uh, you know, should that stand? And is it important enough to like throw out 
justice for this woman on the basis of this. And so I don't know. It's pretty comp- like it's it's a complex question, right? It's not complicated in the sense that no one can understand it. I would hope that everyone can understand it after that explanation. But it's like I don't really know where to fall on it. Um, but like it does seem to me like that every all of the actors here, like most specifically Cosby, he was acting like he was under that agreement, right? That's the only way that they got the evidence against him that they then later used to convict him. So, so the part that I have a question about is the civil case that resulted in him providing testimony and not waiving his right to the Fifth Amendment. Was that just for one woman? I think so, but I'm not positive. I think it's just that woman sued him, the Temple University basketball player. And that's the one that he ended up going to jail for in the criminal case. Yes, so yes. Is there a seemingly a pretty good chance that he's going back to court? Uh, I mean, I think that just the statute of limitations on the other ones was expired and there wasn't like a clear way around it. And the, the other part that's very strange to me about it is uh, even though it kind of seems like he got boned, it's very odd to me that his defense now, at least publicly, not his like lawyer's defense, but his defense through his publicist and through spokespeople is I've always maintained my innocence and knew that's why I would eventually be released. Mm-hmm. But in fact, you're being released because you admitted to your guilt yeah, and no did so under the auspices that he's of innocent. A, yeah, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court is not saying he's innocent. But that's what's weird to me about it is that he seems to be doing the head <clears> to sand <throat> thing of like, hey, I'm getting out because as I've always said, I'm innocent. And very clearly he's getting out because he said he wasn't innocent in the wrong circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is an odd – I don't know that it, I, I would feel better if and he like, said, it's such like, a actually they lied to me. Post anyways of like – like that, that he's – his like explanation for all of this is that like he and her like fooled around some and that she was fine with it. Which like that's not sticking up to the image. Like – he his entire his entire fucking career is dedicated to admonishing people for far less. So well, he's a shitbag and fuck him. And I didn't know this before the Hannibal Burris bits, but it is a bit odd that I mean he literally had a piece in his sets about drugging women. Yeah. So he was, I'm not saying people he was can't, in front of people being like I love to drug women, and then a bunch <laughs> of women were like I was drugged by him, and then we're all like, yeah, like yeah, I don't know, hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. I mean, I'm not saying people can't rehab their image. Uh, I mean, just look at like Fieldy, for example. (laughs) (laughs) You can become something that previously you weren't, but it is funny that you become America's dad after you had comedy bits about, you know, the Spanish fly drink. Yeah. I wonder if he'll break those out when he goes on tour. (laughs) (laughs) Just the ultimate chunk to do something correct. The crowd's just going wild when he says whatever the the first line of it is. I don't know. I don't have the bit memorized. But like how it used to be the case that you're a touring comedian. You would know like the line from the album. They'd start into it. You'd all be like, yeah. Right. And uh, (laughs) how fucking surreal would that be? I mean, he – he certainly feels as untouchable right now as he ever has. No, dude. I think he's been touched. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, he kind of won. Dude, not in any way that I would be happy about if I were him. The rest of his life, people are going to be like, there goes that fucking rapist, which they should because he is. Man, I tell you what, though. And I again, I heard. I For the first time in my life, you know, prior to like what? When did this start? 2015, 14? 
something like saying, that. I would not right now trade places with Bill Cosby. Do you know how like few times in my life that has been true as a percentage? Okay, that may be true. And I think I would agree, but I like I again, I was getting back into town on Friday and I heard Bob and Corby talking about this and Corby was definitely willing to say it and Bob wasn't. Uh Corby called it, you know, like the OJ factor. That dude, I mean, I guarantee you a considerable number of black people of a certain age do not believe a single one of those women. And that's obviously something that I can't really identify with. So I have a hard time I've judging it from that, a perspective that, I mean. And not even with, I, I think it's important to note, uh, in my case, it was not an African-American, just someone who's older than me that uh, was, I was talking to them whenever the Michael Jackson documentary was coming out. And they were just like, you know. They were more confident than I was. Like, I was yeah. like, boy, I'd say there's like a 95% chance he did those things. And they were like, 100% no. Have you heard the songs? They're fucking good. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, but I mean, then that's when how you, some people are. When you introduce the racial element of people yeah. who are culturally significant and in a positive way for a community, you know, I obviously that has some level of of impact on the way that they're perceived by some people. And it a lot of times breaks down. You know, on racial lines. So that's why I'm really interested if he does actually hit the circuit. Whatever, dude. There are lots of instances of fucking white culture attempting to tear black cultural figures down. I would say more than there are of not. Yeah, so (laughs) So fucking... I get uh, it. But I also think that there's got to be a a significant number of people... having a blanket across the board policy of I'm skeptical of... Yeah. I, I don't begrudge anyone for that. And then if you look at somebody who was as you know picturesque of a familial unit uh it, just by his last name alone like he represented family yeah you're probably gonna go a long way to protect that person oj that one felt like more of a back bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um so uh, you should save britney spears we should save britney spears because i want to hear about this dog killer <laughs> The dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how. I don't have a lot to like okay. tell you about the dog killer, but this is a couple weeks ago. The, oh man, a couple weeks ago, and I missed it. Yeah, no, it wasn't uh, while you were on vacation. It might have been while I was on vacation because I I only like caught the tail end of it. Like I I think that the tweet that I saw, I think it was Liz Brunig being like, "Well, obviously I'm too late to this dog killer story, but here's what I got." And I was like, "Dog killer story? I want to hear more about this." And it might have been a day old. Yeah, yeah, because then then it's too late. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just a woman. <laughs> Dead ass rodent slate about how she killed a dog. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> it was it's like a Kevorkian type thing? Is during during the pandemic she adopted a dog. It, it does happen to be a beagle, uh, which I also own a beagle, um, and uh, just constantly bit everyone. Like it bit her, bit her boyfriend, and like there was no way to predict it, no rhyme or reason. And she tried to get it placed somewhere else. And over the course of that, like someone involved in the process was like, yeah, so no one wants your fucking (laughs) (laughs) deadly animal. (laughs) However, uh, we do have a solution we suggest to people in this kind of thing. 
How about you just kill it? <laughs> Who suggests that? Like someone, like it was a, a like shelter? the adoption agency or whatever. Like it's as she's attempting to get it rehomed, someone's like, "Okay, so we don't have anything good for you, but uh, you know how people put pets to sleep. Well, you can do that if you just don't like them. Why can't you just?" And like- that's I, that's exceptionally unfair. She's clear in the piece. She likes the dog very much. Uh, I don't know mean- what I would do. It, like, because she definitely turns this into a, I'm writing about this to remove the stigma. And I would say, based on the reaction, it did not appear to me that the society was ready to remove that stigma. I don't know that I would they call were, that. They seem pretty happy about the stigma. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's such a an, uh, an, an out-of-the-playbook notion that I don't even know if it qualifies as a stigma. <laughs> like, stigma is around, like... Hey, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm trans, and I would like to be treated normally. And society still has a stigma about. Th- I want to murder my dog. <laughs> hey, I knowingly <laughs> murdered an animal. Adopt, I adopted. I think stigma looks at that and is like, keep me out of this. <laughs> I've got a better PR team than to allow my name to be attached to that. Why don't you try to get it tra- get it trained? No, she's she's clear. She tried very hard to get it trained. Like, you know, had a lot of training ideas. Uh, Did you not go see the dog? Huh? Did you not go see the dog before you brought her home? Or were like, ooh, I, no I don't idea. know. Oh, but I mean, I think that she did. It's, it's a cute. It's a cute. They have a picture of the dog in the article. It is a very cute <laughs> yeah. dog. They should and, do a before and after. It really uh, drive things home. Do you know? Oh, Jesus, dude. Uh, I mean, she, the piece is about her killing the dog. You know so. uh, Don Hughes, the Twitter personality? He's Canadian. I don't think I do. Socialist politics. I don't think I do. Well, this one might be. I don't. I don't. See, the thing is, I don't know if it was a joke. Like, he's. Got it's kind of like whenever hipster runoff used to say something really serious, and you're like, okay, that's hilarious, <laughs> like because it's serious. It's but I don't know if he was joking because <laughs> he posted the the picture of the dog that was included, and he was like, this is the dog. I just wanted you guys to have a face to attach to the jokes you're making. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing now or feeling uh, bad, yeah. unclear. That's a special brand of internet comedy, right there. Um, but uh, my my favorite bit of content around it, um, this is this is the headline. The, the person had made a couple edits uh, based on news this week. So I just want you to read that and tell me if you can detect which edits they've made, which words they've changed around. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> obviously they they changed the dog's name for Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just read the thing. When Donald came home, subheading, just before Christmas, I adopted Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> he was adorable and violent. I found a resolution many choose, but few acknowledge. That, that headline another, is funny even with the dog's name in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was another aspect of the article is that uh, she found like a support group and claimed that this, this was the, – the internet is alive with uh, instances of other people being like, yeah, I killed my dog and I feel pretty fucked up about it. How'd she do it? Took him to the vet and got it euthanized. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know why, but in my she head, I was like, take a bucket and or fill you know, it with water, and then get a smaller gun, bucket. Anything, okay? Yeah, I'm. I guess I have a couple questions about this. One, the fact that the vet would just do it. I've never actually personally, as an adult, I mean, had to do that. Animals so, all the time, right? I know, but I assume they ask for some questions about you know, like they see that it's in poor health, or they see that. 
Yeah, you, it's you quality of most life of the time is, the vet is, is the one suggesting it, right? Like that he looks at the dog as like, come on, we got to call this. Right. And that's why this, this one seems She's like, can we call it? to me, yeah. No, he's five. <laughs> no, I get it, dude. I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I do not in any way want to offer my full-throated support to this woman. Not with the Cosby thing. You've already done enough. But I don't know what I would do if my dog were constantly biting people. It sounds like a situation where there's no good options. I'm not saying that's the one I would pick. I'm just saying that I can acknowledge that it looks like a tough deal. I think my dog hears us talking about this. I just heard her whimpering. She's like, oh, geez. <laughs> he sounds a little too intrigued by this. Are you morally more reprehensible if you just open your front door and let it go? See, that like seems better, right? Well, it only seems better because there's like, a small percentage chance that Maybe they went great. end up with somebody else who can possibly curb the biting problem or they can be a companion, a companion for somebody else for a small amount of time and then probably experience a much more end-of-life uh, scenario, you would think, right? They may get sick. They're probably going to be malnourished. So you're, What you're, if you just gave the dog cancer? You're bouncing. How? Rub some cancer on them. Feed it uh, bubbled-up cheese crust. <laughs> Oh, one of the great. It's an all-time hit of mine that we probably don't play enough. Did had like did you just think of that yourself? Uh, you know, it was so long ago that I don't I don't recall, but I'm struggling big time to find out another way that I would have at 7 8 years old, probably nine up until 9 or 10 come up with that. You just you liked the part of the pizza with the bubbles. So I do. You told your brother that it gave you cancer so he wouldn't eat them so that you could. Yeah, and he was young enough that I don't think he ever realized that I was not developing cancer. <laughs> Like, if, if he really bought it, which he did enough so that you got the pizza, how is he not, like, slapping them out of your right. hands? Like, no, bud. I don't remember that, but I definitely like, remember. He accepts that we do have to eat all this pizza. Someone's got to do it, <laughs> cancer or no. <laughs> he would eat around it and leave it for me. I remember it really working when we had a babysitter. I don't remember ever doing this with my parents. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you get like a 15-year-old over there. They're like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> could, could I would love it if I was babysitting some kids and one of them was fucking pulling hijinks. So this is my last thing real quick. And I, uh, it, it, I just thought of it because of the uh, leftover pizza angle. So we, we both sent our kids to a school now a couple days a week where you have to pack them a lunch, right? Are you lunch? Pack, yeah. Are you packing lunches? Someone certainly does. Okay. Well, that is my charge. Uh, most days on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I got to get the waffle and the, and the berries ready and I got to get the lunch ready. And it typically consists of a peanut butter sandwich, uh, strawberries or raspberries or blueberries and like a, like a cheese stick, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple crackers or – but I think they get crackers at school, so I typically don't put those in there. And it, it occurred to me week before last when we were gone, I'm like, how come I can't just put some leftovers in here? I don't know why not. We had something left over that she liked. It was like black beans and rice. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, why can't you bring – what does it say about you as a parent if you're like, you know what? She likes pizza. So I pulled apart two pieces of cheese pizza 
and I put it in here. And I think that should be something that should be normalized. And then I started thinking about like going to school as a kid, junior high, even into high school, how much better it would have been if you could have taken leftovers to school. Because, I'm pretty sure my mom did send leftovers. Well, the problem that was seems like a thing she would do is you couldn't access a microwave. Yes, which is necessary for most most leftovers. And and I was never really like a huge. I see all the like Twitter threads about nostalgia for school lunches. I was not that into school lunch, and it wasn't because I was like rich by any means. It was because I fucking love sandwiches and chips. Maybe with a little piece of fruit in there. I love. I didn't sandwiches. like any part of it. I didn't like when my mom made it because my mom makes things that taste terrible across the board. It's a sandwich. And uh, I don't know, dude. You tell me you can't screw up a sandwich? Go have her make me one right now. She's like 20 minutes away. I might need to try that because outside of buying like the, the meat that's too, too cheap, but which I didn't is like a the big school problem. ones either. Yeah, I just, I was not. I, French Our bread pizza, stuff was shit. I could do okay with. The nuggets were now, okay. Now, when I got to middle school, the middle school was across from a Domino's, and I think it was like two days a week, they would just bring in a bunch of Domino's. To middle school? Yeah. How like, would you, you had to buy it. Buy like, the slice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, they would just, they would, they, yeah, what a fucking nice racket to just buy 20 Domino's larges and sell them by the slice. Like, I would love to see the books on that. <laughs> I know, right? Because if I'm Domino's, I'm making the money there. Like I'm saying, okay, well, if you want us to deliver to this school, uh, a large is $25 and not 13 I don't and, think so. I think the school's got the leverage here. Domino's is happy to sell those pizzas, and they're selling them in face. Yeah, and bulk, too. So they can just like get rid of, you know, they don't have to nickel and dime a bunch it's of deliveries. It's not like Domino's is getting screwed here. That's true. The school's definitely... Because the school also made their own pizza, which fucking blew. I didn't mind some of it, but I, I don't have... But it's not like they were just without pizza. So Domino's yeah. didn't have much leverage here. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just, I don't have the nostalgia for most school lunches that I see people like on Twitter having. I really liked having a sandwich and chips. I loved it. I liked Fluffernutter. <sighs> I can't eat that for lunch. I, I love that I know what that time. is now. <laughs> but so my idea was, you know, over half the meals my mom made for dinner, I was really into there was obviously one where she, ones where she was trying to play the healthy game a little more than I would have liked, and it would ruin my day knowing that that's what we were having for dinner that night. But there were so many times where if I could have just gone to school with like a piece of fried chicken, some mashed potatoes and gravy, and like throw a vegetable in there, I don't care. If I could have heated that up at school a couple days a week, my life would have been so much better. And it then made me think that is an incentive they should provide for grades or conduct or attendance is access to a microwave. <laughs> so, I like it. And so, yeah. you, I mean, we probably have to cut it off at some point because we can't have a line issue. But like if you're in the top of one of those three categories. I mean, if you just weeks, make it like a top percent, yeah. you can control like the kids with the like we in this lunch, we have room for five kids to use the microwave. Right. Which one ever you want to use five's got the top grades. I would have been in fucking, Enjoy. I would have been at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about TD Ameritrade? <laughs> I would have grinded harder for that than anything I ever have in my life. Just could have run Obama's campaign. Just the concept. Just offered this. Easily. The concept that I could have taken half of a Domino's pizza to school the next day and heated it up for free. 
Like I would have. I mean, I just can't tell you the the levels of of grind I would have put forth. For this school. does appear to be clear proof that administrators are not trying hard enough to get the most out of these kids. No, I mean, I'm a freakonomics guy. You know, <laughs> I'm just over here looking for ways to incentivize behavior that are tangible. Because instead, what they would give you is like some dumb fucking coupon. I'm like, I don't have money. Like, you're going to send me home with, like, a buy one, get one Pizza Hut coupon for my parents. Possibly that entices them to buy it more likely than if they didn't have the coupon. Or it would be, like, uh, two rounds of free putt-putt. I'm like, I don't pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all free to me, bud. All, all of this stuff. <laughs> what, what do you think? None of it matters to me at all. But if you could just provide me to that teacher's lounge microwave. <laughs> few times a week. God, could you imagine how great it would be? Like the reading off of the names. Oh, dude. And It'd then the like fucking the Vietnam draft, like <laughs> trying to like the reverse of just don't put my name in there. Whenever uh, they like, you know, come into the class, they're like, all right, come with me. And you just get to walk down with the other kids, high five into the teacher's lounge. Dude, and I would be walking back through there, just letting everybody smell the piping hot fumes of lasagna <laughs> from home. Not the lasagna from the school, from home. That would have been. stuff. That would have been special huge. recipe. No, I, I will not uh, give you the full Britney thing here because we have gone for about an hour. Hold on. Let me see if they're up real quick. Then maybe we can. Hold on. She up? She's not up. We can keep going. Okay. I don't know for how long. But, but then I do I do have a, another story that I need to tell you that we could that end with. Then. Well, I mean, it's not that long a story. I just don't want us to end up with no content for next week. I mean, I've got a lot of content. I can see that. I've got it pent up. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, you know the general details. It's all been clear for a little while. I do think that we need to launch a companion piece to uh, so they got away with that, huh? Um, I think we. I'm tentatively calling it. So the crazies were right on that one. Oh, like Chris Crock or Chris Crocker. I, I don't know if he was specifically talking about the conservatorship, although it's possible. No, but I think it's all related. I think he was talking – I think that predates that. He was just talking about generally – Yeah, paparazzi going in too hard, too much social focus, pressure. Trey Parker and Matt Stone are not viewed as crazies, and they were once again very right. <laughs> well, I don't remember there. Oh, dude. That episode where Brittany blows her head off but still has to perform with half of a head. Oh, no. And at the end of the episode, they basically, like, harvest her for the next – like, they have to the, – the whole town, like, closes in on her in a field and just murders her so the crops can come back, like, next year. Like, the whole point is just that, like, we're yeah. killing these people for our own – Which we obviously profit. are. You're holding the microphone oh. backwards there see that that light if i would have seen that light yeah um but yeah yeah so, i saw the documentary uh i i just mean like the people who started like the free britney podcast or the britney instagram podcast and stand outside look at the point that you're looking through her instagram being like i think i see messages here that she's trying to whatever um I don't know. Uh, I I don't think that the first time I heard about that, it wasn't like, look at these idiots, but it wasn't like, well, I'm sure that they're 100% right. And at this point, definitely not. It's it seems as if uh, they were far more right than than anyone who was in the middle about it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, she she just gave uh, in open court testified about the conservatorship for the first time. 
Um, all the previous court proceedings had been sealed and not, you know, the public couldn't see them. And, you know, I think that most people probably heard this, gave a, an impassioned recap of uh, her feelings about the situation. And it seems awful. She's being enslaved. Yeah. Like she's she's a slave living in America in fucking full view of the public. Like it, it, whatever, like if she's not safe, who's safe, dude? Is there a ruling done? Uh. That part I'm not positive about um, because I, I just – my only update on it was Megan like read a tweet and w then I was like, oh, it sucks. Because the tweet that she read was that the judge was like, no, conservatorship needs to continue. Like I think that it – I think it was set to expire in September and I think that Dang. the judge said keep it going. But she has I'm, to go back like every two years or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these – by like they're just – they're not supposed to go on this long. Oh, see, I like thought the, the deal the, the was that, set up. that they were set up to make them like almost impossible to be overturned. I mean, it's, I guess both could be true. It's the kind of thing where like life and the, the people making the law, I believe, did not intend for them to go on like this. So that's why they have like these renewals and stuff. But in practice, whenever the person uh, who's this who's yeah, I mean, like the. The main person the judge is asking, like, so is this person able to go and do this, is the person who's the head of the conservatorship. Like, he's picking the lawyers who are evaluating her. He's controlling every aspect of her life leading up to those evaluations. They're controlling what medication she takes. They're controlling everything about her. So, like... The IUD thing was super... Yeah, yeah. Super that she sad. was She was saying that she would like to have more children and that the... Against, I mean, like, what her will is is unclear at this point, right? Like, yeah. like, she was very clear about her will that she wants to have children. But, like, it sounds like that there's so many things that they've told her that she has to do that she just kind of doesn't. You know, like, like um, if they told me, you know, like, if I were a woman and they told me to put an IUD in and I didn't want to, like, you know, but if you'd are, then I don't think I would, I think I would fight hard against it, right? Like, I think that it'd be the kind of thing where it's like, you'd physically be like fucking punching nurses and shit. Um, but, you know, she's uh, just had this shit like this happen so many times that I think that she knows what the consequences are and uh, is just going to go along with it if they ask her to, because... Uh, one of the things that she detailed in there is that uh, during, like, I think that it was the part that all started with, she was, she talked about an incident where she was training for a new tour and uh, was, do, was doing the choreography basically by herself. And there was a move that the people on her team wanted her to do like a dance move where she was like, no, nah, I just, I, and she didn't say like, what about it? She didn't like or whatever, but she was like, I didn't want to do it. Um, and so her like talent management people were calling her psychiatrist and were like, she's not taking her meds. She's going crazy. There's something wrong with her. And like, it was all just a naked ploy to get, to be able to make it so that she didn't get a just say complied. over what fucking dance moves yeah. that she was going to do or not do in this show. And again, it illustrates like the dangers of how these conservatorships can continue to go on is, you know, who are you going to trust? The person like you can hear Britney's story, but we all know about her. Yeah. Uh, or you can just have me, the responsible adult, tell you that I saw her not taking her meds and I saw her doing crazy stuff. So, um, but yeah, so 
I think it was today, I, I read it this morning, uh, Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino in The New Yorker wrote a long investigation of the entire thing that certainly went over the stuff about, uh, you know, her uh, statement in court, but also just there was a, her manager immediately prior to the conservatorship. It seems like a lot of the goal of the conservatorship was to get her family to make it so that she couldn't be around this dude anymore. Um and, you know, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a great guy, but I also believe that adults should be able to associate with whoever they want to associate with. I mean, he's definitely no K-Fed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he, he definitely That's talks. That's where things really went south is when she left him. Well, it literally is. Uh, it's a lot of the stuff, <clears throat> like the, in the article, the way they frame it um, is that most of the extreme behaviors that people like the cutting of the hair, the attacking the paparazzi's car, that all of those were immediately preceded by disputes over custody. Yeah. That she had two children with Kevin Federline. She would go and attempt to like, you know, the court told her that she could have four court supervised visits a week. Um, and like the court supervisor is quoted in the article. She talked to them, you know, fairly extensively and has some interesting comments about just like, it's one of the saddest things she's ever seen, you know, of like that Britney's a good person who has people around her that are making it hard for her to live a normal, stable life. And it breaks the court appointed person's heart. Um, and yeah, but just like so she she would only have these visits. And uh, I believe both of the times I'm talking about, she just tried to go and get her kids, you know, and was just told, no, mother, you can't see your children. And so she flipped the fuck out, and then which shockingly. I would also do. Yeah. Um, and then the managing of the meds thing was always, I mean, you can manipulate the, someone's behavior by saying they can or can't take this or that. Yeah, that's whatever she was describing that. Because in addition to her description of it, uh, Freddie DeBoer started a sub stack a couple months ago where he talked about the medication that he is on to control his bipolar and uh, was that describing. was a wild thing. I'd <laughs> yeah. never heard of that guy before. I hadn't either. Did he do something like wildly? Didn't he dock somebody or something? He accused someone of rape that had not, and Freddie was aware had not raped anyone. Yeah, that was weird. That was and one then, where I was like, so I guess people are saying I'm supposed to feel bad for this guy. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I, having a hard time with that. Yeah, no. I mean, it, I, I think that it, it, that was several years ago. I think it was 2017 that he did that. And the person that he did it to was like, go get help now or else I will. Like, I, I do have the option to report you. You are guilty of these things and there will be legal consequences from it. And if you don't uh, go and get yourself help right now, then I'm going to do that. And so he did check himself in and became medicated and described the effects of the medication. And they sound fairly terrifying. And he's on some degree of lithium. Uh, but Brittany was describing, I think, a higher dosage of lithium and was just talking about how she felt sluggish and afraid and just not herself. Like, she couldn't react to things around her, you know? Like, you just ask her questions and she just be like, eh. Uh, just seemed like a person who had lost reality. Like, it, it, it just, it made, like, whenever she's laying it out, that was the part that I really emotionally had a strong reaction to is the structure of the conservatorship gives the people in charge of the conservatorship the option fully legal 
to make her a crazy person. Like yeah. if you're feeding someone enough lithium, they're not going to seem normal. They're not going to fucking be normal. They're like, it's, it's going to wreck their fucking life and mind. And they have the option to do it. They, they have taken it at times for her and it's really fucked up. I don't know. You know, like, uh, yeah. there's always a deep seated fear of mine growing up. And I think there's a, uh, I just tried to Google it to find uh, if it's this specific episode, but there was a, this American Life episode about a psychiatric hospital. I think it's in England. Actually, now that I'm about to say it, it has to be called Broadmoor. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a story of a guy who I think he might have defended himself in a case. It's the classic like horror movie trope of just, he's the only one who knows he's not crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And he can't get out. Yeah. Because everyone's like, yeah, all right. Everyone in here says that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this was a true story of a guy who maybe eventually did get out. And I don't know if there was a conservatorship exactly, but it was definitely something court mandated where, you know, then they hit you with a needle and then you're acting. But I was always so, so that's, I guess like there's probably multiple twilight zones about that where you're just like, no, please listen to me. God damn it. Yeah, I was, I'm normal. And they're like, yeah, sure. Eat these pills. I was wondering today uh, how many people our age have actually seen this movie, although I'm sure that everyone's heard of it. But uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is, yeah. you know, about this. I saw it a long, long time ago, but that might have been the first. Yeah, it probably wasn't the first. I just, I remember just like even as a kid thinking like, and I'm sure you've identified with this before too, considering you were literally sent away to a, yeah. <laughs> but you're just like, no, like I think you guys have this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm seeing this incorrectly. I think, I think you guys are seeing this wrong and, yeah, and, for, and you're done because they have, they have the power. Yeah. For folks who haven't seen the film, it's basically that he just doesn't like, he clashes with authority, you know, like he clashes with the authority and the institution um, and doesn't like, display problems with schizophrenia or anything he just thinks that the lady's an asshole because she is and tells her so and this escalates the point where they they do give the paint the patients electrolysis um and they just put him in the electrolysis machine until he's had so much run electricity run through his brain that he's a vegetable (coughs) by the way really weird uh offshoot didn't somebody like i've never heard of something like this happening before didn't somebody write a Netflix series about the nurse. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> what? Someone making like a new like okay, let's take an easily probably considered a top fifty movie of all time by like film buffs, mm-hmm. and you just say like I'd love to write a treatment for that forty to fifty years later and develop it into a Netflix series, and it gets made. Like, think about that, dude. Like how many, I mean, that, that literally would be like, if there was a, I'd like to see stuff like that happen more. It's cool. I'm like not the, saying I'm against it. I just thought when I heard about it, kind of like, like that. Like uh, it, it's, yeah, but they're not characters from the show though. Which I'd makes say it that feel, makes it more weird. <laughs> like they're making a series about the movie. Okay. So like who's playing Bashemi? Wait, what? They're they're not doing any of the characters? Well, then why is it called well, Fargo? Well, because I think that what the, a big part of that show is just the setting of yeah and the tone and yeah no i get it i just I, it I think a, it's great but i remember when i'm reading that and it's the lady it's who played marcia clark yeah who by the way is married to a much older woman very mm. very interesting 
kind of a that summer situation. It really is. Nothing between them but the night. But, uh, yeah, so um, another part that came out in the Ronan Farrell piece, he, he talks – one of the main things that he's uh, – or that, you know, he and G.I., I don't know who's doing the reporting specifically. I don't know how people write stories together. together. Yeah. I don't know either. The Tim Cato, Sam Emick thing. Like, I listened to him talk about it like three times, and I'm like, so you just like, is it like you and I when we did the Dallas Observer or the. I, yeah, I guess we <laughs> shouldn't be so in the dark about this. We have written something together. Yeah, but it was in like have my name in two sentences and then your name in two sentences. Uh, parts of it did. I think that there was parts that was like a column that we just had both of our names on it that I think we did collaborate on. I don't know. It's very odd. Yeah. It's very odd that that happened. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Mostly. It is. Yeah. No. Uh, most people, what they're, what they're doing here is learning that it did happen. <laughs> True. Um, We've killed multiple publications. But yeah. So uh, he, they are talking to someone who was like a family friend that was involved in all this. Like that was in the room for a lot of these conversations with Spears' father, etc. And uh, they were saying... That so the the second so Brittany was like had the involuntary medical hold placed on her twice, and after the second time is when the conservatorship started, and so she's in the hospital like drugged up, you know, sedated, when they're going to her to a judge and being like, hey, we want to start this conservatorship, and there are legal requirements that you inform someone that they're being put into a conservatorship. But you can get them waived if you appeal. And so they're like, yeah, we want to put her in conservatorship. We don't want to tell her about it. Uh, we just want to do all this shit. And so the person. Why would anybody who wanted to do it ever not? That doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, the This family friend is like, you know, we were going down to the thing. I was expecting this to be kind of like uh, them asking me questions about, you know, trying to judge her mental fitness yeah yeah Yeah. so she shows up to the proceeding or whatever and without asking anything the judge just walks in is like yep conservatorship granted go ahead like that was the first proceeding Mm. about it and the judge is in the story denying that any of this was prearranged or whatever but like of course they are right (laughs) I, i don't know dude that that was a shocking revelation that and just thinking about how that could happen because i that's how I interface with this. It's just being terrified. Of, I've, I've, for obvious reasons, <laughs> been scared about the idea of people being able to be like, hey, your freedom's gone. And uh, I get pretty focused on, you know, the ways in which that can happen. And uh, this this is a, just a really large, notable public one that happened to someone that everyone knows about. Everyone was like aware of the story, but she just has been like locked up in her own house uh, for over a decade now. And it just continues on. I would say the most likely outcome is that at some point there is an inflection point of court of public opinion, whether it's now two years from now, and she does regain autonomy. It may be too late for her to have kids. It may be too late. You can't get that time back. That's the thing I've been thinking about. It will turn. Like that was that was one of my main reactions to the story is like that that it was it was dawning on me as I was reading how wholly incomplete that will be. Like if today yeah. they ended the conservatorship, yeah. 
there's people like she in, in her statement said that the people running this conservatorship should go to jail themselves. And she's fucking right. Yeah. Like, and they won't. No, they won't. But like it's just that there's also stuff about that her lawyer is a, a court appointed lawyer. Yeah. And she said in the thing that uh, he had never told her that she could petition to end it. So, you know, people have been looking at this and they're like, well, you know, Britney's never asked to get out of this conservatorship officially. So does she dislike it? And she's saying that he he never put that op- uh, option on the table. And a lot of the stuff in the article is detailing times that she's attempted to hire other lawyers. And it almost always is a complicated thing where uh, someone like she gets word out that she needs like a clean phone. Like the, the guy that uh, the manager before uh, she got put in the conservatorship, his sister – like got word that she, that Brittany wanted a phone and she was going to be like at this gym working out. And so she just went and, you know, bought a clean prepaid phone, just worked out next to her for a while. And there was just, there was a dude staring at them the entire time, like a security guard, like one of Brittany's conservatorships people just watching her while she worked out. And whenever she uh, went to like a sauna, the woman walked in and was like, okay, you know, now uh, the, the guy's not in here in the sauna with you, so here's a cell phone. That's rough. And then she uses the cell phone to try and get her own representation. And every time the courts are like, uh, no, dude, you're crazy. You can't yeah. say whether or not you can hire your own lawyer. You're not of sound enough. You, you are not legally like uh, non-crazy enough to hire anyone to do anything. So you continue to get this one. And the particular lawyer that she has uh, does this kind of work. And just, I think that the judge just like has, you know, the small list of these people who handle these kinds of issues and that he just gets assigned to whatever. Like that that's like, it's not like Brittany met with a bunch of people and said that this one's good. Right. So the, the judge came in and said, you are under a conservatorship. They don't have to inform you about it. And here's your lawyer. And then that lawyer has never told her, hey, you're allowed to ask to get out of this. Remember whatever you said uh, that how many. And he gets many, like half a million dollars a year. Of course. However many years ago is the, uh, that's the first time where you wouldn't have traded places with Bill Cosby. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Whenever this started. Those are the first years since she and I have both been alive where I wouldn't have traded places with Britney, uh, Britney Spears. Yeah. Like I wouldn't – you wouldn't do it right now. But just that – I You're dude, not getting that time back. You you know. Yeah. I, I don't know how she's alive. Yeah, However, that's what I was thinking about is the, the, the way that they – like to have this kind of total control over your life, she's fucked up in ways that therapists are never going to be able to unwind. Of course. Like not a fucking chance. And you're going to be hesitant about medication – for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like the, there's deep ways that she's broken that, that are just permanent. That's the thing I'm thinking about. The harm that's been done to her is permanent and would not be unwound by ending the conservatorship now. Not close. But if it – when it is, she will be able to make more money than she's ever made in her entire life. I mean they, they said in the article to. that her assets are worth $60 million. But think about it, dude. But they also said that she has a personal uh, allowance. Like she can't spend more than two thousand a week. I think it is. And the the they whenever they mentioned the uh, lawyers' pay, her you know all this stuff has to be accounted for. The line item they had for personal expenses for Britney Spears in the course of a year was less than what they paid the lawyer. Of course. 
So they paid someone to fucking, you know, pat her on the head That's and insane. tell her that, uh, you know, like that, that this is all going well. And then they gave her less of her money than they gave him. Got to keep the grift up. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really, really bad deal. And the fact that, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing, I don't know. I, I, I think this about everything and it keeps on not becoming true. So I think that what I just have to conclude is that I am a more violent and deranged person than most of the people living in this country. But it's the kind of thing where it seems to me to be inviting some degree of danger for the people involved if you don't do the right thing and end it. Yeah. Oh, like Britney Bourne type situation where she's just she's got a sniper rifle and yeah I like just I the, mean dude I, I when I, I hear yeah, about I this would, I feel called to act you yeah. know what I mean like I, I and I think that most people do yeah. I don't think this is the kind of thing that we ought to tolerate no but you know you need like a team of special ops guys you need Seagal yeah, and I, I just, I don't not, want anything like that to happen, so I hope they end the conservatorship, you know? We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I, I do I do have this, uh, this final story, unless you have some other Britney thoughts. I don't. So, last weekend, my wife uh, had told me that she had a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise weekend is what I was, was told. Uh, yeah, I had, I had surprise weekend, just told to make sure that I was free and available, so I did. And it was, uh, the surprise was we were going to go and visit uh, our good friend Justin, who's been on this podcast before. And they had secured really nice seats to the White Sox game. White Sox were playing the Mariners. And uh, we were like fourth row, like third base side, you know, probably like a section up from the dugout. I saw some pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was electric. Super tight. It was a great time. I I tweeted a photo uh, that that you retweeted, (laughs) so I know you saw it. Of just uh, it was I saw exhilarating. The, the guy in front of me had the big phone, big, 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 big letters. Font, yeah, I call that the uh, local uh, sports anchor in DFW font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen too many big fonts on press row at Mavs games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah my I'm not even trying to read that, but I can. All of the people in my family, as a matter of fact, are over a certain age are big fonts, sure. which I guess means it's coming for all of us. Of course. There's going to be a point where just the I can't read it and I'm yeah. gonna have to be big font guy. <laughs> yeah, where there's like it terrifies me. There's like one word per line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like every text message requires like an entire, you know, uh, workout. At that to point get I'm through. just gonna have like the big iPad as my phone. Yeah, you might as well. Um, but yeah, so the guy, uh, you know, he, he, the Phillies had said something positive about the fact that Aaron Nola had had 10 strikeouts in a row and, uh, he was giving him, so what you bums, you lost, you should be embarrassed. So this is White Sox fan who is just scrolling Instagram, I assume. I think this was Twitter. Okay. It might be Instagram. It looks like the Grom from... You might be right. From the format, but I couldn't I didn't spend that much time on it. I didn't either. I am really into guy who replies to either pro sports team or news agency and doesn't do it in a way that is in any way ironic or funny. I that's what I'm saying. Like I just I assumed it. it was Russian bots. I love it. <laughs> like I I didn't think that these people were out there. And then I'm like, holy shit, guys, it's him. Well, because you just He's have the to, one. Okay, so it's like anything, right? I mean, there are plenty of times where I will reply to a tweet or I'll have a quote tweet, and then an hour, two hours, a day later, be like, 
either that didn't land the way I, I wanted it to, or people obviously didn't take it the way that I wanted them to. But when I sent it, I did have an idea of what I was going for. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that guy has in that space. <laughs> like, does he think like that this will be plastered up on the Phillies uh, TV in the locker room and a lot of people will be really bummed about it? I think the answer is there's no answer. I, I don't think there is either, and I don't identify with that. He's he's the dog trying to get out and chase the car. Again, and I sometimes get out and get hit by the car, <laughs> but I have an idea of when I get out, like, what I'm going to do, and I just, I don't understand. And I mean, look, you see this a lot more probably in politics than in sports, although, I don't know, that might, that even, that may be, even be false. But even when fucking, like, Brooklyn dad wants to reply to a Fox News tweet, yeah, it's like what? What do you what do you think the out? You know what? They'll probably shut down their operation tomorrow. <laughs> they, they, there's just no way that any of those people are asking themselves the question, "What do I think the outcome is?" Yeah, it's just immediate response. Like the, it's not going anywhere close to the floor you're talking about. The elevator is staying at ground level. So what, you bums? You lost. But yeah. So this this guy, <laughs> he's got his phone. And the, the primary thing he's using it to do is to keep other teams accountable. Okay, yeah, for sure. But, and I'm, I'm worried that explaining this verbally just will never match up to having the entire thing unfold in front of your eyes. So maybe you won't find this as funny as I found it. But he receives a text message from a friend of his elsewhere in the stadium. The friend uh, is in a suite. Ah. And the friend says to him, Hey, man, Andy Dalton's in our suite. Oh, wow. And he includes a picture. Okay. Of a man wearing an Andy Dalton who is clearly not Andy Dalton. <laughs> All right. Well, as they, as they say, lots to unpack there. Uh, I mean, as a guy who, who has a collection of Luka and Dez jerseys that I will wear to Mavericks or Cowboys games after a decade out of the jersey game – I don't imagine sweet at Comiskey guy being guy who wears other sport from new player in town's jersey. I mean, I will say sweet. I like, saw sweet seems... uh, multiple fields, and that seemed normal to me. It didn't register as odd. I just said there's a guy who's also excited about the many Super Bowls to come. I fucking forgot. For like two days, they got Justin Fields. That's right. Those are two good days. I, I I said the words Andy Dalton, and you were just lighting up. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Ryan Pace said he's the starter. And but he yeah, reminded me. So that's that's yeah. This guy, why is he wearing an Andy Dalton jersey? Why did he buy an Andy Dalton jersey? That's a really good question. It was before the draft. <laughs> but here's one that this guy's not trying to answer. Why on earth would Andy Dalton be wearing an Andy <laughs> Dalton jersey? Hey, I'm going to go to the, sit in the suite for the baseball game. What should I wear, hon? Yeah. I know. Dude. Something with my name on it. Yeah. And the best part about this is that this is just two peas in a pod. <laughs> Guy who replies to Team Sports account yeah. with absolutely no idea what his what his desired outcome is. And guy who believes Andy Dalton is wearing his new Bears jersey to a White Sox game, they they probably grew up together. Like they took it out and like looked at it a couple times and like passing it around between the four of the people together. Like, check it out, dude. Our boys with Andy Dalton. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hold on one second, okay? Yeah. 
We can cut this out if uh, the baby's up. Or not. Okay. While we're talking socks, I got you this. Oh, you got me a little something? <laughs> I got you a little something. We can take that two-minute stretch there out. I had to wait till the baby's uh, was up so that I could get in there. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's bad kids who don't listen. It's from when Tony Larusa got all mad at the team. And oh, that's right. And yeah. it's got a little White Sox logo. And the, the, and S, the S is for there. bad kids who don't listen. Is <laughs> the White Sox S? Yes. I think it was Tim Anderson who yeah. might have said that the Tony like the Tony said like the bad kids who don't listen. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed that phrase quite a bit, and then I saw a dude I know on Twitter making those shirts, and I thought that's beautiful. TC Thank needs you. the bad kids who don't listen shirt. I, I this, really appreciate during this that. magical run of a yeah. of, of a dream season. That I they're think on. they're up right now. Like you don't know. Well, I mean, All right, you know, I've been focusing on talking with you. <laughs> well, we'll be back with a couple episodes later this week. See ya. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.